Hi, and welcome to the GoTech Please Don't Die podcast, a show devoted to tech going and hopefully not dying. I'm Nathan Ruppel. I'm Evan. I'm noted JMR Smith fan, Josh. <laughs> and I'm Matt. And Josh will have to show me those notes that he has, I guess, somewhere. I misspelled the word why. But about half time, this was going to be the show where I, where I told you so, but Tech was able to pull out a victory against Rice in a 23-20 to victory over the Owls. We're going to go ahead and do our initial thoughts. Uh, Matt, what do you think? Man, it was awful. It was truly a sight to behold. Uh, just a real ugly game. And it went just the way that we said it would go for Rice to have a chance. It was just a really ugly game to watch, but uh, we're two games away from bowl eligibility already, and we're only five games deep in the season. That's awesome. I mean, four and one, that's awesome. Uh, But the thing that really just irks me is, and we'll touch on this later as well, is the almost uh, suspicious disparity in time of possession. Uh, 23 minutes for Tech, 52 minutes for Rice. 52? That doesn't add up. Overtime, man. Wait. Overtime cuts his time, man. (laughs) it's still time but there was one overtime it's still time three and out it's a long three and a half. It's science. What? <laughs> uh, that doesn't add up. I'll call bullshit. I mean, damn it. <laughs> Evan, unless you're, unless Sorry, you're saying ESPN is lying, it says 23 minutes, 7 seconds of possession for LaTeX, 51 minutes and 53 seconds for Wright. So, so you're telling me that one overtime period added 20 minutes to a game? I don't make the rules, Evan. I, it's only 15. I, so since Evan wants to be so argumentative here, uh, Evan, what are your initial thoughts? <laughs> oh, I, I agree with everything matt said other than the time <laughs> it was a really 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 bad game i don't feel like rice did anything particularly well and yet they led for literally the entirety of the apparently 84 minute long game 74 but that's okay Se- okay set so, well i was not a math major at tech so <laughs> some slack. anyway i mean just from receivers dropping the ball Ugh. every single time we had i mean every pass play we had could have been successful pretty much and it, it just wasn't i don't have the stats up in front of me uh uh, at the moment, but what was Jamar's stat? Uh, he went 21 for 39, 210 yards, averaged 5.4 yards per attempt, and was one touchdown. Yeah. So how many drops do we think there were? Seven, eight? Oh I my mean, god! Come on, least... guys. Like, and a couple of them were borderline, but like some of them were just like. Dude, catch the damn ball. I was going he, crazy. He made one pass. Uh, it was an over-the-shoulder pass. Receiver's arms were fully extended. I don't recall who dropped it. I don't know if Stanley. it was Stanley. It was it Stanley. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. arms were wide out. I. It was probably the best pass I've ever seen him make, and he just dropped it. It killed him. Yep. A difficult catch to make over the shoulder in stride, but, I mean, Jamar could not have put that ball any better. Hit him in both hands. And that goes into what my initial thoughts are about this. The offense gets a lot of criticism in this game, which is well-deserved. 23 points against the was 126-ranked team in college football, only putting up 294 total yards on offense. But mm-hmm. J-Mark seemed like the only good thing this offense had. Mm-hmm. He struggled. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't the messiah of quarterbacks that we were calling <laughs> for after that Arkansas game a few years ago. Hey, he parted the Red Seas on that last play, and that's all that mattered. And, and even a couple plays before that, when he gained nine yards, he played well. He put the ball in the receiver's hands, and they just weren't able to make the catches. Right. Anyway, so Josh, you want to wrap us up with our initial thoughts? <clears throat> I have some bullet points. Okay. Okay. Me, noted Jamar fan, first bullet point. Um, <laughs> overtime. Like, we, you, we shouldn't need overtime to beat Rice. An 0-5 now Rice. Like, um, yeah, the passing game was not good outside of, you know, Jamar to Hardy. It seemed like Hardy was the only one actually catching balls at all at this point during the game because it was drops, man. Drops after drops after drop. And my last bullet point on this napkin, Kane's napkin, shout out. Not a sponsor. The defense was not great. Not yet a sponsor. But 
they were not bad. They held Rice to 17 in regulation. That should be plenty to beat Rice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. By far. A Rice team giving up, what, 30, 31 points a game or something like that? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, the defense yeah. was, like, it was a it was frustrating to watch, but they played well when they needed to, and they kept them out of the red zone. Rice didn't score a touchdown in the second half at all. Th- that's huh. fine from the defense. Yeah. So if we're going to look at past opponents and show what they were able to do and how many points they were able to give up from their defense, I mean, we think even last week when they played Baylor, and we mentioned this last week, I think, that Baylor's one of the top-rated offenses in the country, and they only put up 21. Granted, they coasted it after halftime, but even if all 21 points were in the first half before they started pulling their starters, then that's still only 21 points for the best offense in college football. But mm-hmm. it didn't look like Rice was what was stopping the Tech offense in this game. It definitely looked like it was the Tech offense that was stopping the Tech offense. Yeah, and what I... <laughs> Assuming uh, questionable time of possession numbers are true, it would uh, make sense to me because Rice had 106 more rushing yards than Tech tonight, and they had 26 more attempts on the ground than Tech did tonight. And obviously Tech blew them out of the water with passing attempt. But uh, that's I don't recall exactly how I said Tech win the game in the last podcast, but I feel like I may have said that they should establish a run game, and they absolutely didn't. I feel like Skip went into this game and pulled what I used to do in grad school, didn't read the book and just went in and was like, oh, you'll see. <laughs> this is my opinion. I, I don't have to back it up. You'll see. And I, I don't know. It's just a bad night for our offense on the ground. Yeah, and one thing that we mentioned last week before we go on to our do tech die or do they not die segment is that I know Evan pointed out last week that FIU was two for 10 on third down. And then I pointed out that they were also two for three on fourth down. And that mm. isn't exactly the best compliment to being able to do well on third down as a defense. And we look at what Rice was able to do. It kind of says the same thing. They were four for 16 on third down that's not great but on fourth down they were two for two if we stop them on third down you have to stop them on fourth down yeah. oh that, that last one he had it we had it red yeah that was oh that was a good gosh. play call by rice that was good play design i want to say it was courtney wallace that was in the backfield right away but then whoever the deep end on that play was fell down and couldn't help him contain so that was kind of what went wrong there when the dn fell over i i just started laughing really hard because it reminded me of uh, Tom Brady in the Super Bowl against Atlanta a few years ago where he threw a pick and he attempted to tackle the guy but it looked like someone threw a dead body out of a car <laughs> <laughs> and I will enjoy any reference to the Super Bowl that involved the Falcons there uh, that was yeah. it. so let's go ahead on to the part of the show where we say if tech went and if they did go did they also die this should be fun Josh what do you have to say <laughs> man I'm running out of like these dumb ass- sorry <laughs> analogies of like nathan's gonna work hard this episode man. tech going and like not dying but kind of trying to die at the same time like this is like tech went to a nice hot dog stand after they were out drinking they said oh we beat fia let's go party we're drinking let's get a hot dog and they start choking on the hot dog real bad matt what do you have well i mentioned this in the last podcast i do recall what i said here i said this is going to be a game where tech would not go but they would not die because i predicted that they would win the game i know for a fact that I predicted they would win the game in a close one. I predicted they wouldn't go and they wouldn't die. And I think obviously that's what they did because they didn't go, guys. I mean, it was a brutal game. No. We should not struggle that mightily. And I know it's a conference game and conference games are always a bit more difficult. You know, it's a kindred spirit to how division games in the NFL are always more difficult no matter what the records are. And they've got some decent athletes and they've had some close games. But hey, if you say it enough on the broadcast, it must be true, right? I mean, that's... I, I hope if, so. And if Nathan says it enough, it must be true, right? Yeah. 
well, delusion, it's a funny thing. But yeah, Tech did not go. They did not die. Yeah. Evan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to say they did not go and they also died, man. And they were just weekend at Bernie'sing it out there. And, uh, you know, J-Mark, they were hitting him with the paddles, right? Saying yeah. clear. And uh, they hit him with the paddles and he jolted on that one play to score the touchdown to win the game. But I, I mean, God, you just like we all knew how Rice could make this a game. And I had the foresight to say that I still thought Tech would win a game like that. Uh, so I guess I'll take my credit for being right. But gosh, that was that was just hard to watch from everything like on the drive where we went down and tied the game up. It was just like, guys, this has literally been here all night out routes for 15 yards every single play has been available all night except oh the offensive line didn't block that play oh the wide receiver dropped the ball that play oh the you know the running back didn't pick somebody up that play or oh jmar missed a pass like it's just little mistakes that add up and add up to a not going and also dying anyway nathan what you got yeah i was actually also going to say that they they did die but they died before the game hmm. started we talked about how some people thought the game was an hour later because usually the games start at 7 central or or whatever and this one started at 6 central they looked like the kind of team that needed people to yell in their face hey wake up throw some coffee on them do whatever to get them into the game they looked dead throughout most of the game even when they're down third and fourth quarter the offense looked like they were walking through their practices like they weren't really trying and i'm sure they were it's really easy for me to judge them sitting on my couch drinking a beer watching other people play a sport but they just didn't look like they were alive and kicking and playing the game. One of the things that was mentioned on the Bleed Tech Blue podcast, another podcast you should check out, uh, Ben Carlisle was very certain that this was going to be an easy game for Tech because who can Tech look this game right. over for? There's no big opponent next week. We have a bye week, and after that, we have UMass. Hey, don't you dare besmirch the one in four Minutemen. Who beat number 130 Akron. Don't you dare <laughs> besmirch Matt correspondent Jake Altman's favorite team. <laughs> but but either way, so you can say, like, okay, who are they going to look past this team right. for? But right. I don't really think that's how this works. I always go back to the loss at Northwestern State in 2014 as a, a game we should have won because we had the talent, but it slipped away from us because we failed to execute. The week after that, we played about. Auburn, which that's a big game, but it's not a conference game or something like that. Uh, we played Old Dominion that year also and lost to them oh, before playing Rice, man. which wasn't that great there. Like Tech has had these games not because they're overlooking people, but just because they expect to have a win. I don't think it has anything to do with overlooking. And luckily in this game, they did get the win. They proved me wrong. They beat Rice. But man, no oh man, I was so close to having to say that i told you so and hating the fact that i had to say i told you so yeah that would have been a lot less fun of a podcast for the rest of us <laughs> I, I could have gotten way drunker the next segment is our player of the game josh you have a player Don't honestly I'm, I'm gonna i gotta say jmar <laughs> he wow he, he came in clutch when we needed him to he had a perfect drive and then he scored in overtime when we needed him to and he would have had i think he would have been real close to the goal line of that first run play where he kept it to himself that first option but man he he did what we needed him to do towards the the back half of that game yeah uh matt you wanna you sounded kind of angry there <laughs> no, I just, I knew he was going to do it because Josh been on Jamar's case and this isn't even really, I don't even know if this is statistically speaking Jamar's best game. Oh no, for sure not. I know that there's a difference between having a statistically fabulous game and having a great game. And I guess what I mean by that is Jamar won this game. He was the best player on the field. So I'm going with Jamar just like Josh did yes. uh, because he was making the best throws, making the best plays, putting it on the numbers. God, that one pass to Stanley is so on the money. And 
and uh, I thought that he was terrific. He made the best plays. The receivers kind of let him down tonight. There was one where Dancy went low to get it, and then it was like he oh, was trying to God, throw it over yeah. his head, and that killed me. He made a couple of questionable throws, too, not going to lie. He had one that was almost picked off in the end zone by Rice, trying to tie it or win it at the fourth. But, I mean, ultimately, he was the best player tonight, in my opinion. He's the guy who, in overtime, got tackled by the turf monster on his first run, but on his second run, <laughs> won the game. He won the game for us, so he's he's a rock star, Jamar. You are. Happy birthday, QB1. Oh, and he turned 23, and that was the final score. And- Whoa. It's like he planned it that way the whole time. All right. Well, Evan, do you want to make that three for three with Jamar, or you got somebody else? No, I'm going to... Are you guys ready? <laughs> I'm going to continue my trend of not giving it to an actual player in this game. I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to shout out uh, UAB's quarterback, Tyler Johnson. Jesus! <laughs> Twice in a row now! <laughs> who passed 18 for 31, 181 yards, and zero TDs, and four interceptions in their law. Uh, so shout out UAB fans that may hate listen to this podcast. Uh, love seeing your quote-unquote great quarterback do some work there but anyway as far as tech players yeah no it's jmar i mean come on amik had some nice pass breakups amik is actually who i was going to go with especially because how he got picked on last week he wasn't the amik that we know and love this week either like he still struggled at times and maybe some of that's due to scheme but he had a couple crucial pass breakups there near the end of the game that really yep. helped the defense out a defense that really struggled against the rice owls so <laughs> yeah i'm going to go ahead and give mine to amik um, what, one more thing I, I wanted to touch on a little bit since we talked about Amik was the way the defense came out in the second half. I mean, in the first half, they were literally getting pushed about eight yards off the line of scrimmage every time Rice tried to run the ball. And whatever adjustments that they made at halftime really seemed to work against the run. When you force them into third and 10 or third and eight, that's when their quarterbacks who are inexperienced and not really that good, you know, have trouble. And we saw that actually come to fruition. So it was just a breath of fresh air to see them, you know, come out and really attack the ball uh, at the line of scrimmage there in the second half. Yeah. yeah. Well, that about wraps it up for the first half of the GoTech Please Don't Die podcast. We'll be right back after this break. At this point of the show, you may be wondering why I'm even talking right now. Because canonically, wasn't I killed off last week? Well, this week, the GoTech Please Don't Die podcast is sponsored by Casper. Not the mattress brand that sponsors several other podcasts, but Casper the Friendly Ghost. He's actually a pretty cool dude. He even taught me how to interact with the real world to do things like record a podcast. And you might be thinking, isn't this ad break getting a little too confusing for just a sports podcast? Well, you'd be right. Let's get back to the show. Hi, and welcome back. For the second half, we're joined by Evan. Yo. Josh. Howdy. And Daniel Spencer. Hey. And if you haven't noticed or haven't looked at the schedule recently, Tech doesn't have a a game coming up this weekend. They have a bye week. So we don't have an opponent to talk about. So we'll, we'll we'll be going over some of our thoughts about how the season's gone so far and some other stats and figures. So we're going to lead it off with our initial thoughts. Uh, Josh, how do you feel about this season so far? Uh, I'm frustrated mostly. Not necessarily with the record. It's just how we've gotten to that record. We've had one loss, whatever. Two of our four wins were very frustrating to get to. And other than that, it's, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's just a frustrating season so far. Yeah. When we started the season, we did our predictions. You've been perfect so far in predicting which games Tech has won. You said they go four and one and the loss be to Texas. 
and that's what's happened. And in addition to that, so did Daniel Spencer made those same predictions. So, Daniel, how do you feel like this season's gone so far? Well, you know, honestly, as you can see by, you know, the record I picked, it's pretty much what I expected it to be. It wasn't pretty at times, but, you know, I'm, I'm trying to take a more optimistic approach this season with everything. And as long as we're cranking out the wins, I'm happy. So, And then Evan got the record wrong. Evan thought we'd be three and two at this point with losses to Texas and FIU. So Evan, we've done better than you thought we have. Uh, What are your thoughts? Yeah, man, it is still September as we record this and we are two wins away from bowl eligibility. I mean, the only other time that's happened, I think in my time as a tech fan was in 2012 when we would have been five and oh at this point. Yeah. It has been frustrating at times watching the games happen. Yeah. We were all frustrated when we watched the rice game this past weekend. And when we watched the second half of the grambling game, but I mean, at the end of the day, the W column has four in it and it's September. It's not even October 1st. So like, I mean, I said we would lose to FIU. FIU has been kind of a shockingly bad team to start out this year. So I'm glad that we didn't lose that game. But yeah, I'm excited for the rest of the season. Hopefully we can find a little bit more consistency on both sides of the ball moving forward. And I think the ceiling's pretty high, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah. And I predicted the record correctly. I said Tech would be four and one, but I thought they lose to Rice and beat Texas. So I got those. <laughs> I guess I just got those two schools confused for some reason. Yeah, Uh, of course. Yeah, I think it's fair to be disappointed so far this year. Tech has done as good as pretty much anyone could have predicted them to be. Four and one with only loss to what looks like a top 25 program in Texas. And what more can you really complain about? But the Grambling game, the Rice game, they don't bode well for the future. Yes, a win's a win, but if you can't, blow away a team like rice then even if we get the win now it looks like we may drop another couple later in the season so that's where i'm at i'm at a if everything clicks this is a kusa championship winning team but i still haven't seen a game where everything clicks yeah bowling green and fiu were close but not quite there and hopefully we're able to turn it around and now that's to me that's almost a, a good thing right we've won four games and we haven't seen the team be like this is where we should be playing at so i mean yeah it's bad that we haven't seen that really five games into the season but like if we yeah. ever get there, maybe in the bye week, maybe against UMass, you know, uh, the one in four minute men, but uh, we'll see. But it's frustrating, yes, because it's like, just do what we know you can do. But at the same time, it's kind of like, man, maybe by the time we're playing Southern Miss or by the time we're playing UAB, we'll have it all together, right? If those are the games we really, really need to win, and we really want to win convincingly here at GTPDD. So, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so you're right. We are an underachieving four and one team. So, what does that say about when we're achieving at their level we know we can but so far this year if we take a look at the leaders that we have on the offensive side of the ball josh you want to go through some of those well i can talk about you know jamar obviously having a pretty good season you know completion percentage and yard wise i'd like to see more touchdowns but i mean i can't complain he got us a win last night uh no surprise henderson's leading the team with the rushes evan pointed this out earlier but we really don't have a leaving receiver and just you know watching a lot of the games it seems like powell has been the guy but he really only has 25 catches no touchdowns it's a, it's a weird year for the receiving core. Yeah, I think Haybear is the one that is shocking the most. He is the third leading receiver, 15 catches, 218 yards, but two touchdowns. But he seemed to come out of nowhere. Yeah, I was really big on uh, Isaiah Graham and not been that much of a factor. And I don't really know how to explain why, but it may just be that guys like Powell and Haybear have come out and, and they've got four 
40 catches between the two of them for almost 500 yards between the two of them. So the leading receiver is Hardy with 291 yards, but he's only got that one touchdown he had against Rice. And you see stuff like that, and you're like, man, can we just throw it up to Hardy in the end zone every time we're in the red zone? It seems like he's going to catch, you know? Um, But that's kind of interesting that we all expected Hardy would be the main target, and he's just kind of not so far. Yeah, I know a lot of teams have been double covering him or or kind of making sure that he's taken out of the game and letting the other guys get more involved. But still, yeah, if he's one-on-one, throw it to Hardy and he'll find a way to make that catch. Yeah, and just to go back to Jamar for a second, um, we were before the Rice game where Jamar essentially put Tech on his back and won the game, uh, we were planning to have an argument about old QB1, but I think we've maybe put that to bed time being. He's completing 65% of his passes, which is better than any of his other two years. He's already got... 1,300 yards, six touchdowns, and only two picks. And both of the picks were really, I mean, one was a foot interception, which was weird as hell. I think we'd all agree uh, that wasn't really his fault, more of a fluke play. And then the other one, if I remember correctly, was tipped off of running back's hands at Texas. Yeah. Anyway, Jamar has been playing really well, and I think we'd all agree with that statement right now. So we'll push the argument down the road a little bit. Yeah, another player that I think has been surprisingly quiet this year is Smoke Harris. He's uh he's somebody that you know we were I think all of us were really big on coming into the season, but he hasn't even cracked the top three for leading receivers, which I I don't think anyone expected for him to not be there. Yeah, he's actually got 19 catches, so he would be the third leading receiver in terms of catches, but only 157 yards. Uh, and one touchdown. And I'll bet a lot of that's due to the screenplays they like to throw. Yeah, yeah. at least six or seven of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every yard on a stat line is a yard after catch. Yeah. yeah. And I want to back up real quick. I know we've kind of been jumping around the offense a little bit, but Henderson, 47 carries, 341 yards, impressive enough until you divide one number by the other. That's 7.3 yards per carry. Yeah. That's insane. Uh, five touchdowns, and I'm always really worried whenever he carries the ball. It's either going to be a touchdown or a fumble, and you really don't know which one it's going to be. But lately, he's been, he hasn't been fumbling the ball as much. Yeah, let's go ahead. On the defensive side of the ball, um, solo tackles right now are led by Jackson, who has 25, Amik Robertson has 23, Michael Sam with 17, and Willie Baker, who we expected to have more of a defensive impact, is in fourth place with 16. Josh, what do you think about how the defense looks so far? I think the defense got my word of the day is going to be frustrating. It's frustrating to watch until they get into the red zone. And then they really seem to step it up, apply the pressure and do their job, keep teams out of the red zone. But I'm surprised Connor Taylor isn't showing up more, I guess, stats wise on the defense because he seems to be everywhere all over the field for a defensive plays. Yeah, he's got 14 solos. He's got 26 total tackles, which would put him tied for fourth. But but also on the defensive side of the ball, we've got three interceptions on the season as a team, which in five games i think you'd like to see more from a ball hawk secondary but um amik's got one michael sam has one and daryl lewis and gosh amik got close to a couple there in the second half but we've really prided ourselves as a defense at least under blake baker and diaz before him in getting those takeaways it's just not happening as much this season it seems like and at least you could say amik has those nine pass breakups but still yeah you'd expect to see more in the turnover department you also expect to see more sacks as a unit the bulldogs only have eight through the first five games yeah that's brutal is that the sack leader that's listed there ezekiel yeah. barnett he has two yes. yeah yeah no one is stepping up there willie baker doesn't have any yeah yeah that that one that one's really surprising and he's dropped back in coverage a few times it's not like he's rushing the passer every time he gets an opportunity but still you expect to see more before the rice game ben at uh blue tech blue had pointed out that you know yeah he's dropping back in coverage but in i think he said 104 pass rushes he only had two to be hurried that's rough man you gotta do better than that i don't know if it's the new defense 
defense that's got him kind of questioning things. I think at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, he's just going to need to like pin his ears back and get at the quarterback. He's really good at that. We've seen it mm-hmm. before and it just hasn't showed up. So, and I don't think we'd be talking about this so much if it wasn't for the bowl game in Hawaii. He was a big recruit. He was someone that we were excited to have on campus, but we wouldn't be looking at a stat line and wondering what happened if it weren't for that one game. So hopefully this isn't the case, but it's possible that Hawaii was more of a fluke than we had hoped. Yeah. You know, this kind of goes back to what we said earlier about getting hot at the right time and perhaps that maybe things will start looking up as we start playing it the better teams in the conference. And so you got to just hope that the sacks and the interception will start to flood in as this season progresses further. I would rather get hot late than be hot early and stall out. Yeah, especially when we have that brutal stretch with UAB and Marshall and, and all of that. So let's yeah. go ahead. Uh, we've talked a little bit about uh, what we've liked and not liked so far, but let's go ahead and, and separate these two things. Josh, what do you like so far that you've seen in the 2019 Bulldog season? I like certain offensive drives where the offense is clicking. And this seems like a really specific thing to point out. It's like we pass this set up the run, essentially. So when the passing game is clicking and then Henderson breaks off a run, you know, I've been very impressed watching Henderson. So that's something I really like. Yeah. Evan, what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go here and I'm going to say I like Jamar, man. He's playing well. You know, the stats aren't the best in NCAA by any stretch, but, you know, he, he's improved. And in that Rice game, man, you saw everything we've always wanted to see from him. He put the team on his back that drive other than not scoring a touchdown there at the end of the fourth quarter pinpoint accuracy on his passes to get us into field goal range and then in overtime he had two runs in a row first two runs of the game he picks up nine and a half I guess they spotted the ball at the 15 but then didn't give us the first down for whatever reason and then two plays later or three plays later maybe he's in the end zone winning the game so yeah and I like the kicking game well the field goal kicking game I'll say yeah that's actually where I was going to go yeah. with mine, with what do you like so far is Bailey Hale, especially after missing the two in Texas. I've liked what I've seen from Hale. He's been perfect on extra points and field goals since leaving Austin, Texas that night. And Tech has played some close games that probably shouldn't have been close, but we've needed the points that Bailey Hale's given us. So he's definitely worth a shout out here. What do you think, Daniel? Uh, I'll go ahead and go back to the run game because... That was another one of those things that just had a really slow start. It first couple games, it seemed like we were just getting nothing done on the ground. But uh, you know, Henderson has really picked the run game up significantly, and you know, he's breaking off for some big runs uh, every once in a while. So. I'd say they might be the most improved aspect of our game from the beginning of the season. So we've talked a little bit about what we liked. Josh, what haven't you liked this so far this year? Where do I start? What I have a list. How much time you got? Essentially, my complaints, what I don't like, I don't like the play calling on both sides of the ball. The offensive play calling has gotten much better since the Grambling game, you know, which we just talked about. That could be just a natural progression of the season. Defensive play calling is just, it's frustrating to watch our DBs give them, you know, six to seven yards of cushion. And then they get hit, these receivers get an easy six to seven yards out of that what do you think daniel uh my biggest thing is we've already praised the field goal kicking game but on kickoffs the ball not reaching the end zone you know they're fielding the ball around the 15 yard line every time you know getting another 15 yards on the run back we need to be better about that because we're giving them great field position every time it seems like when we kick the ball off all right Evan? Yeah, I've, I've got a couple things here to touch on what Josh said. I, I'm not a fan of Diaco's scheme so far. I mean, I know we've won four games running it. I'm happy with the red zone D 
defense, but a little bit of the red zone defense feels like fluky in a way. It's great that we've got a, you know, 50 to 60% stop rate in the red zone, but probably what's frustrated me the most about watching Tech so far this season is just yelling at my TV like, why are we dropping eight and then playing soft man coverage or soft zone coverage or whatever it is. Like Josh said, we're giving them a six yard cushion and then rushing three and our, our three man rush is not getting home because nobody has any sacks on our team. So like, uh, I'm getting worked up just talking about it. Anyway, Nathan, what what do you have? Yeah, I'll take a couple of the ones that were on my list, but I'll go ahead and hark back to a thing I've brought up a few times on the show, and that's offensive line. I'll kind of give them a pass for this past game because it felt like every other play, you know, lineman went down some injury, but... Jmart has shown that when he has time, he can make the throws. There are times where the pocket breaks down so quickly and there's nothing he can do as a quarterback. We've talked about why don't we pass more or why do we run so much and we don't have time to pass. You have to run to keep yeah. the defense honest so they can't pin their ears back and head for the quarterback. And so if we can figure out offensive line well enough to give Jmart a five, six second pocket and let him find the open man, then that's how we win these kinds of games. So that's something I'm really hoping I can see improve over the rest of the year. And speaking of the rest of the year, we kind of made predictions early on about how we thought the season would go. Has that changed? Have Do we think that Tech will win more or fewer games or what? So we'll start with Daniel. You know, best case, I originally said 11-1 and one with our only loss coming to Texas, but I've changed that to 10-2 and because I just don't think there's any chance that we're going to beat Marshall. Uh, I'm not confident in that at all. And the floor, I've got us at 7-5. It was previously 6-6. Six and six. I originally said that, worst case, we would lose to FIU, but, you know, that didn't happen, thankfully. So I've got us at 7-5. and five. But most realistically, I really think we have a shot 9-3. and three. I-, I think that's completely attainable, and that's what I originally picked it. So that one's staying the same. Yeah. And speaking of 9-3, and three, that's what Josh had as his best possible outcome and his floor for the season was 6-6. Six and six. Uh, Josh, has that changed? No, I still think both of those are well within reason. I think this team can still win the West and play in the conference championship, but so far it looks like we're going to drop at least two more games and they might be some ugly one. I mean, we still have UTEP on the schedule, so, you know. But yeah, I'm I'm still pretty confident in a nine and three ceiling and a you know six and six. Like if we've talked about how the team needs to make improvements week over week and kind of look like they didn't this past week. So hopefully the bye week gives us a nice reset. But that I mean the wheels could still fall off at any time to me. Yeah, and Evan was a little more optimistic at the beginning of the year, saying that the best case scenario was a ten and two. Well, I said optimistic, but maybe not so because his worst case scenario was a five and seven, which was I think the lowest out of any of us. We've already won four. Evan, has that changed? Do you still think it's possible to go five and seven? Oh, no 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 i mean first of all we got umass utsa and utep on schedule so no we're not winning any west seven games you can take that to the bank but you know i, I think 10 and 2 honestly sounds pretty reasonable right now i think uab's not as good well i didn't think they were going to be good they're definitely not as good as you know the pundits or the UAB fans on Twitter thought they would be. They just lost to West Kentucky, who I think a little better than we predicted. But anyway, I, I think UAB's beatable. I think I think Marshall's beatable. I think we could be looking at a team that could run the table uh, and, and go into the conference championship game on an 11-game winning streak. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Tech is Tech, right? So we that 
that doesn't seem reasonable. Nah, screw it. I'm going best case 11 and 1. 8 and 4 is the worst case. 11 and 1 is the best case. Conference championship is within reach, I think. Not necessarily from what we've seen on the field so far, but the fact that we've already got four victories and like we said earlier, we can build on that and and find our stride for the first time this season, but we've already got four wins. So that that's something that hasn't happened for, you know. For what I said, best case scenario was 12 and 0. Uh that's no longer statistically possible. And my worst case scenario, I said 10 and 2, but the two were UAB and USM. <laughs> but I want to copy and paste Evan here. I think that there isn't a game on the schedule that's an automatic loss like Texas really is. Uh, Marshall looks good, but there's still a Kusa school that looks like a Kusa school. They just look like a pretty good Kusa school. So I'm not willing to to pencil in even an L there yet. But at the same time, Tech still plays some decently tough teams on their schedule. There is still Marshall. There is still North Texas. There's still UAB, which seems to be a fun game for us every year. Yeah. So yeah, I at this point, I don't feel any more confident about this season going in a positive or negative direction, especially because as we've talked about, it doesn't feel like everything's clicking yet. And everything clicks, we may not lose another game. If it never clicks, we may only get to six and six or seven and five. So before we wrap this up, before we wrap up this episode of the Go Tech Please Don't Die podcast, we have some other sports we want to talk about since we don't have a football game to talk about this week. Uh, Josh, you have an update for volleyball? Uh, volleyball, 10 and four. They you know started conference play today, beat UAB three sets to one. Um, statistically, Kalen Adams leads with 125 kills. It seems like the volleyball team, they have a new coach this year, I believe. They've stepped up. This is not even related to the, like, the actual game or anything. They've stepped up their social media presence. I feel like I see them on Instagram more. It's been more involved. And it seems like the team is just in a better mood as well. So things are looking good there. They're rolling. Just keep it going. And speaking of doing well, soccer also seems to be. Evan, you got an update for that? Yeah. So the uh, the soccer team, the Lady Texters, started out the season, I think, winning eight games in a row, if I remember correctly. And then uh, they tied with Grambling. And then now they've started off uh, conference play at one and one. They beat ODU a couple days ago. And then their first loss earlier today, as we're recording on Sunday, against Western Kentucky in overtime. And that tie with Grambling, I actually saw this earlier, it was tied in overtime and then they called the game due to darkness so so they are outscoring their opponents at least before the game today they were outscoring their opponent 38 to 8 which is pretty insane led by sophomore forward autumn woodard who scored 13 goals so they're doing a great job hopefully they carry that forward into the conference and uh, maybe bring home a championship and softball hopes to carry their success to the new head coach longtime texter head coach mark montgomery left to head towards my neck of the woods and become the head coach at Maryland. Tech announced a couple weeks ago that they'd hired a replacement in Maria Wynn Ratliff, who comes to Ruston via Tyler Junior College in Texas. Uh, she has a very long career, especially in the junior college ranks. She has over 40 wins in the last two seasons and this, that she's coached and has over 50 wins in her last seven. She's what seems to be the perfect hire for this kind of situation. Yeah, honestly, I have no idea like how she hadn't already been hired at the D1 level. She's won 50 games in the last seven seasons. That's insane. Like how, how had she not already been hired, but seems like a great, uh, hire really excited to see what Texas softball can do in the next uh, few years. Yeah. And now for the end of the show stuff, this week's tweet of the week comes from the new daily dragon account, which is at F five daily dragon who after UAB lost, which I'm just going to say again, because it's fun to say UAB Yay! lost <laughs> and then tech one, he tweeted out saying, and tech one, this day sucks which I guess from this side, it didn't suck as bad, even though we only barely beat Rice. But at least we didn't lose to Western Kentucky. So take that. Well, this year anyway. True. 
<laughs> Take that, Hilltoppers. <laughs> we, we don't play you. We can't lose to you this year. Yeah. Yeah, and so Evan, you got an update for the contest? Yeah, I just want to give a quick shout out to Michael, who won with 14 points, a little bit lower scoring this week. I will have the full recap out sometime later in the week. Going to take a couple days off before we put out the recap. So yeah, and listen next week for the preview of the UMass contest. So make sure you tune in. And hopefully the UMass Go Tech Please Don't Die contest will be closer than the actual contest that is the football game. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> that about wraps it up for this episode of the Go Tech Please Don't Die podcast. As always, follow us on Twitter at G-O-T-E-C-H-P-L-S-D-N-T-D-I-E or go to our blog for more content and the contest and all the other stuff that we do at gtpdd.dog. And until next time, I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Daniel. And Josh is around here somewhere. But remember, Go Tech Please Don't Die. Josh? Josh, are you oh, alive? Oh, I was muted. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why isn't anyone responding to things I say? <laughs>